Okay, we are live. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Robert Allenby Studio. I'm here with my co-host, Potty. How you going, mate? Mate, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's been a busy week, as always, but... Absolutely. It feels like it's been an age since we've sat down and discussed all things sport and entertainment, mate, and I'm I'm eager. I'm chomping at the bit. Me too. Sport never lets us down. Entertainment never lets us down, and... You know, it's just busy, 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 isn't it? Always something to talk about, and without further ado, should we get into it? I think so, I think so, and you know what that means. kick it off then the king's coronation did you catch it oh bits of it yeah. i'll say i'm not going to say that i sat up for i mean what was it four or five hours mm. to watch the whole thing um a lot of tradition i mean tradition is important i i'm a fan of tradition body i won't you know I'll, I'll put all my cards on the deck but sometimes tradition can be a little too much yeah i agree i agree but you know firstly I must say I was a little offended. I mean, offended in twenty twenty three. Offended. Imagine that. Look, you know, I can't believe we didn't get a start. Well, I agree. I just, you know, Charlie and Millie, they're big fans. Well, you'd think they would be, mate. Absolutely. Well, I mean, we uh, we have a large reach. I've noticed in our statistics, we've been pulling a few uh, listeners in the United Kingdom. And hello to you out there. Hello. Um, I mean, the the GPS on those statistics doesn't really narrow us into either Windsor or Buckingham, but no. well, I mean, we can only assume. I'd say so. Well, it's it's a fairly safe bet, isn't it? So what do you think of the coronation anyway, mate? Have you got any sort of take-home points from that? Mate, what a day for Big Chuck. He's been waiting 70 years and he finally gets the crown. I mean, mm. what, what a day and what a crown. Did you catch the crown, Grego? I saw the crown. It, um, yeah, there was a lot happening there, mate. mate. Very busy, in as someone in the fashion with a fashion sense would call it. Well, mate, someone who doesn't have a fashion sense, which is me, I'm telling you, it looked like someone dropped a black forest cake on his head. Oh, yeah. Well, it, a very expensive black forest cake, I would assume. Indeed. Now, I'm, I like a black forest cake. Oh, it's delicious. Absolutely delicious. But you know, I, that's something that stood out to me. I mean, you had one job: person designing the crown. Yeah. I mean that's that's something for us to to really dig deep and look into. Is it just a is it a personalised affair, the crown for the king? What power does Chuck have yeah. to change the design of the crown, or is that another tradition thing? Mm, yeah. Oh well, it could well be. But in other news, Dirty Harry, Prince Harry made an appearance, and look, he didn't look stoked to be there, did he? Well, I mean, yeah. It was, are you suggesting that it was somewhat forced, his attendance? Oh, I'd have to imagine, keeping you know. Up, keeping up appearances. Based on what we've seen in the past, it does appear as though there's a little tension there, a, a little distance there. Mm. Um, but then again, he's never going to get the crown, so, you know. Yeah, I know, I mean, if he ever wanted to challenge his position for the crown, though, let's go hypotheticals here. 
I mean, I'm pretty sure he knows a pretty decent legal assistant. Well, help him. <laughs> I think he for, could be. For any of you uh, Suits fans out there, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Yes, and then the, the final thing that caught my eye with the coronation was um, Prince George and, um, you know, how careful he was, as reported, uh, with the king's coat. Mm. And I mean, he's only nine, but it looked to me like he might have been eyeing the top job already. Well, I mean, would he be the youngest king at, king at nine years old? Well... I mean, poor... Sift through the history books, ladies and gentlemen, because I think we might be surprised. Well, I think we might be. <laughs> There's only two to go, go, Georgie. Only two in front of you, mate. Only two to go, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm not holding my breath that I'll be there to see him cloak, no. uh, cloak up with that wonderful coat. No. Um, yeah, so nextly, catching my eye, something I saw in the news yesterday. Are we speaking about age again, are we? We mate? are speaking about age, mate. Tradition? 79 years in age, in fact. Mm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Wouldn't have a clue, mate. Have you heard of the famous actor Robert De Niro? Great actor. Great actor, great mm. actor. Do you his, know what his he... earlier stuff was better? Yeah, I mean, yeah. When he turned into the lovable grandfather, I yeah, think I switched off. But... Yeah, he's, he's milked that as far as it can go, but, yeah. you know, maybe not, because he's now got a, you know, he's got another mouth to support he he's a dad at 79 a dad at 79 wow we mate this is outrageous we talked about age a couple of episodes ago when we talked about roy hodgson Mm. and we said what would we be doing in our 70s and robert de niro is going back into the birthing suite yeah this is outrageous this is yeah (laughs) what is doing there i mean i mean i know what's doing there robert but mate And what are the chances that he gets offended uh, at the hospital when they say, look, uh, grandparents aren't to come in yet? (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe great-grandparents not to come in. Great-great-grandparents. Well, that's it. Yes, outrageous. I mean, mean, how do you you comprehend that? 79, you're, you know, you're just enjoying the finer things in life and then you want to stick an infant back in... The spare bedroom. This yeah. is it. Oh, I couldn't comprehend it, mate. What about you, Grego? What has caught your eye? Well, speaking of age, mate, um, I've noticed a lot of changes. And, and for me, what's caught my eye this week has been very personal. Um, changing sleep habits, mate. Um, I don't know about you, but I've always been a minimalist sleeper. So somebody who you know wears minimal clothing whilst uh, being asleep. So I'll often, you know, just... Just the boxes. Yeah. Just the boxes enough. Shirt off. I'd, I'd overheat regularly. But I've noticed, mate, that um, I've changed. You've changed? I just noticed. Even, I've been wearing a shirt to bed. A shirt to bed? I've been putting up with the shirt for the duration of the sleep. Yeah. Last week, mate, I wore a hoodie to bed. A hoodie? Woke up in the morning with the hoodie still on. Outrageous, mate. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's an age thing. Because I am getting older. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I'd been doing a bit of research online, looking around, and I was, I, I really don't know, but I, I wouldn't mind putting it out to the listeners there. I've, I've sort of come to the conclusion that this may be some sort of male version of menopause. Right, okay. You know, I'm getting to that stage in my life where, you know, the hormones are changing yep. and, you know, the hoodie is relevant for my sleep time. Yeah. Don't know, mate. I mean, they probably need to do a bit of scientific research into it. Well, I'm sure there's been a study. I mean, we'll have to dig it out. But I'm 
going to use the old bro science. Yeah. I'm going to say that I'm going through a bit of male menopause. Yeah. Well, if you you know if you got the psychologists onto it, they might talk. It was does the jumper you wore mean something to you? Well, I mean, we could be unpeeling layers of the onions that go on forever. Well. Uh, another thing that caught my eye, mate. As I said, it's personal. Public toilets, mate. Yeah. Public toilets. Now, I've been having a lot of trouble lately. Um, doing a bit of exercise. Yeah. Getting some K's in the legs, going for a bit of a run. Yeah. And it's really, really changed my toileting routine. Yeah. It's Distance ha- running can be a tricky business as far as that's concerned. Mate, I turned on the feeds of our social media around the time of the Boston Marathon. Now, we covered a bit of the Boston Marathon from the more unfortunate circumstances, but marathon runners jumping into front yards to take a dump on a front lawn, you know, that popped up and, you know, I I was a bit critical. Yeah. But then now I've got a feeling as to I know where you're coming from. You felt the desperation? The desperation and the need that, The sheer panic. Just got to go. Now, I was going on a bit of a run down in a a public area. The public toilet, mate. I've always had a real love-hate relationship with the public toilet. Um, You know, I am not someone who is, you know, above the public toilet. I will use the facilities if required because I think they play a vital role Mm. in the public space. Now, I've gone in there and my concern is around the servicing of the public toilets. Not up to scratch? Cleanliness, nothing wrong with it. You know, when you're walking into a public toilet to use it, you're going to expect, you know, it's not going to be your house toilet. So no issues there, mate. However, in an act of desperation, I've run in done the business no toilet paper oh no no toilet paper at 6 30 in the morning in a public space and i've had to go the old poo parkour where i've had to climb under the cubicle to get out get to a spot where i could get some toilet paper and you know what's happened mate the old-fashioned kindergarten butterfly painting, mate. Oh, By yeah. the time I've got over the other side, it was it was bad, mate. It oh. was bad, and I will leave the imagination up to the listeners to to put together what what it, what kind of a scene was was present. But you know, I got the business done and back back on my feet, mate. But you know, I thought that councils, local councils around, not only just here in Australia but around the world, you know. We thank you for the public toilets because they are an important utility. But come on, guys, just make sure there's enough date pipe in there for us, eh? Mm. Indeed, indeed, mate. What you've just described, um, being in that sort of state and mm. not having the paper, that's my worst nightmare. Yeah, I mean, the struggle is real. The struggle is real. Well, mate, that's uh, that's pretty much the events that have have caught us for for this week um footy let's get straight into the footy mate the rugby league final was a big Wembley occasion oh get that in here all right so our matches over the weekend magic round did you enjoy it magic round i absolutely loved it um I made mention last episode about uh, 
dear friend of mine who was giving me all the grief in the world for not going and I mean the reports he didn't let up he said it was the greatest weekend ever uh, the crowds were unreal everything was happening up there and it was the place to be so I mean we've got to book it in buddy lock it in lock it in let's make it happen and the footy Started off with a cracker on uh, Friday night with the Bulldogs going down to the Raiders 34-30. Yeah, a lot of points. Yeah, who knew what was going to happen in that match? I thought the Raiders were going to win by 50, and then I thought it was going to be an all-time comeback. But Mm. in the end, the Raiders just getting over the line. Uh, The Broncos, too good for Manly. Yeah, Manly Manly looked terribly. Mm. Yeah, they were fairly ordinary. And yeah, Tommy Turbo not looking... He's best just at the minute. Uh, we talked about this the other week. Maybe it's time. Have some time off. Get yeah. ready for Origin and then have the rest of the season off. That's right. That's right. It's simple as that. I mean, Manly don't mind paying the bills. No. Oh, that's, that's right. Uh, then the Panthers beat uh, the Warriors 18-6. Yeah, and yeah. in what Panthers players have been quoted saying was the toughest game they've played in two years. Yeah, they've played in a couple of years. And... Uh, that was um. I'll get into that game in in just a minute. The Dolphins punishing the Sharks. Redcliffe fins up. Redcliffe fins up, and then the Bunnies too good in our predicted match of the round. Mm. Twenty eight to twelve over the Storm. Yeah, so I tipped the Storm in that one. It was mm. um. So I have this habit with my tipping. If I'm really unsure, I'll just leave the tip out, and then I'll I'll get the feelers when they're in the dressing shed before the game. And I went for the Storm, and I was wrong. Yep, I went for the Storm as well. I looked at their record, and I thought, they're too good. I saw how they pulled the Bunnies' pants down six weeks ago, and I thought, six or seven weeks ago, and I thought, they're too good. And they weren't. They They, came in. The Bunnies looked good from the start. The Bunnies looked good, and they are right up there with the Premiership favourites at the moment. I think so. The form team. Long long way till the end of the season, but right up there at the moment. Tiger Town. Where are the tales of Tiger Town? Bring it back. The El Tigres have just turned it on the last couple of weeks. Now, Potty, my anticipation is, although the Tigers have got their second win in the same amount of weeks, we're not going to go too into depth about it. And we hammered the Tigers in earlier episodes of this podcast. However, I'm going to go in there and, you know, from the bottom of my heart, I just want to say out there to all Tiger fans, to the administration, to the players, that I would like to apologise to absolutely nobody. Nobody at all. Okay, because you guys, under the leadership of Justin Pascoe, are never going to win a premiership. Great win the last couple of weeks. You've done well. Well done, Tiger fans. I will give you the round of applause, but that's about all you get. And then moving on to the Cowboys versus the Roosters, and the Cowboys winning twenty to six. Well, did not pick that one at all. Mm. That was a um. Well, it was a clean sweep by the uh, the Queensland teams. I mean, sorry, I've jumped the gun there on, mm. the, on the the elephant in the room, but we'll cover that one. Um, yeah, so the Cowboys a much needed two points for the Cowboys. Indeed, and then uh, in the final match of the round, breaking my heart, the Titans twenty six to twenty four over the Eels. Uh, as a Parramatta fan, it was just another game, our fifth of the year that we've lost within mm. a try. Just can't seem to win any of those tight ones, and you start to feel sorry for yourself a little bit. Then you realise you've leaked twenty six points and go well. 
you know, yeah. maybe there's another problem there. Look, I'm, I'm really, really struggling to get on the, a read on the Eels mm. because you know what they're capable of. This is the hardest part about it with the Eels, is, and it must be frustrating as a fan, is because you know they're capable of beating any side on their day and putting together really, really quality performances. A lot of their best performances over the last two seasons have been based around defence. But like you're saying, if you're leaking 26 points against a team that's going to struggle to make the eight, I mean, there's some questions there. Oh, incredibly frustrating as a Parramatta fan, and it's been an ongoing issue. Brad Arthur's done amazing things at the club, but just getting that consistency week to week. Penrith, the last three seasons, have been maybe one of the great teams of all Mm. time, winning two premierships in a row. And the only team that could go anywhere near touching them when they were playing at their best was Parramatta. Mm. And then they go out the next week and lose to somebody who wasn't even in the eight. Yeah. So that's that's something to be able, certainly be on trying to address moving forward. But yeah, they're going to need to get a wriggle on soon. But we'll move on from that now. So, match of the round prediction. We both went the Rapids and Storm. No, we can't go too far, too far, Potty. We can't go too far. We haven't covered the Knights versus oh, the Bye. The Knights versus now, the Barley Bye. Now, hold on a second. <laughs> How long did it take for the video footage of Nelson Asafa Solomona punching the absolute piss out of the bloke at the front of a nightclub? I think it was uh, the, the Mexican one. I've been there before. I can't even remember it. I can't think of it. Um... How long did that take? Was that a couple of weeks? A couple or? of weeks. Yeah. So, I mean, hold your breath, fans. Hold your breath. We might, there might be some video footage to come out over the next coming days for the Knights. But apparently, so far, well behaved. Well, I, I hope so. I hope you enjoyed yourself. And for your coach's sake, I hope you get a couple of wins in the next few weeks or there's going to be all sorts of pressure. Yeah, so I think all Novocastrians out there have got some questions they need answered over the next few weeks. Sorry, mate. Match of the round, you were you were started on it. What Sorry, mate. Your, what was your match of the round, mate? I ended up going with the, um, your pennies versus the Warriors and just super impressed with the Warriors. And as you touched on earlier, Nathan Cleary actually came out and said it was the toughest game they've had all year and they've had some tough games. So mm. that's saying something. Sometimes footy just isn't fair. The Warriors have played the Storm, the Roosters and the Panthers in 11 days. No wins, but three great performances. Yeah, and I, I think they've they've well and truly been in each of those matches. They have. It really could have been three wins their way, and they probably deserved at least one of them. The yeah. trouble is, if they come out the other side of this tough period and they put in a few not-quite-so-good performances and then they lose to some teams that perhaps they mm. would have beaten if they played the way they have over the last few weeks... That's what I mean by sometimes footy isn't fair. Yeah, so I, I, I'm I, not too sure where the quotes come from. I This is just me um, running off the cuff here, but there's a there's been a comment during the week around, you know, an unconscious bias towards other teams against the Warriors. Um, forgive me for not having the source on that, but is that the tack that they should take? the Warriors in terms of those comments because I think they're doing such a good job they're performing so well the Warriors I really you know, am concerned about hearing those sorts of comments mm. leak into the mindset whereas the reality is is with a couple of good signings another big off season under Webster over there in the Warriors once they get that consistency of playing at home regularly you know the Warriors are building quite a good 
you know, football base over there. So, you know, I, I when I heard those comments, I was like, oh, you know, yeah, you could probably feel hard, hard done by. You've just rattled off three massive gains in the short period of time where they've turned up and they've been unlucky. But, you know, to jump to the old, uh, you know, the refs have got it in for us and all that sort of stuff, I don't think it does the playing group any favours and it no. doesn't give them the recognition that they deserve for the performances they've put in. And from what I've seen from Andrew Webster, that I'd imagine he would be uh, getting away from that as quickly as possible. He seems to be mm. like he's putting in a no-excuses policy at the Warriors. The bounce of the ball doesn't go your way. Well, you know, that's the way the ball bounces. Yeah, and that's how, that's how you're going to improve the culture of the club and it's how you're going to improve uh, the mindset of the players as they as they trudge forward. And, you know, if they can build a fortress over there in New Zealand again like it once was, mm. you know, before, unfortunately, the the events of the last couple of years prevented that from occurring, um, you know, hopefully... I, I mean, I've, I think we've all got a little soft spot for the Warriors for what they've had to endure over the last couple of years. So, yeah, best of luck to them. And what about you, Grego? Your match of the round? My match of the round, uh, I went for Redcliffe and Cronulla. Now, just purely the fact that it was an upset, but it was just a great game. Mm. I, I think I just, you know, I I have been surprised with how Redcliffe have played this year. I think, I think you know, there wouldn't be an NRL fan within their right mind that say, oh, I predicted this, you know, unless you're a diehard Dolphins man. But you know, for them to put the acid on the Sharks like they did the other night, you know, it was just flat out impressive. Um, you know, you could flip the switch and say, oh, well, the Sharks have got some defensive worries that they need to, you know, really address if they're going to compete at where people are expecting them to be in the top four. Yep. Um, but, you know, Redcliffe, they, they were attacking. They're, they're playing no worries football at the moment. They're sort of the expectations off, and I think Wayne Bennett would... He's probably the perfect coach to have if you want to have that mindset when you're playing at top-level rugby league. So, you know, it was it was a joy to watch. I agree with all that. I think Wayne Bennett's the perfect coach for them. And I do think, just touching on what you were speaking about with um, Cronulla being a little bit off defensively, quite often as fans, we can be critical rather than mm. tipping your lid to someone who's done a fantastic job. And I just think Redcliffe were just excellent particularly in the first half and yeah. they were just far too good for them yeah and i and i think it's just the nature of the of the critical mind mate is where you're looking at what cronulla should be doing whereas not really giving the credit and saying yeah. look the dolphins are exceeding expectation oh 100 percent they are did mate, we notice anything else right there's some big news Massive news. There's been a massive debut over in the Super League. Have you have you seen this young fella? I have. I have. Mate, what he, a beast. I mean, I my mind, when I saw this fella coming out for the warm-up, just went back to a young Sam Burgess flogging Fooey Fooey Moy Moy, England versus New Zealand, just absolutely taking the world by storm. A, a real good front rower. Yeah. You know, there's... There's very rarely a really good young front rower that hits the ground running. Adam Ritson, Sam Burgess, you know, very, very few that, you know, are ready at that time. But this young fella has turned up playing for Catalan Dragons over in the Super League. Have you heard of him, mate? Boss Taurus. Boss Taurus. Well, I, he's special. Mate, the way he ran out for the warm-up and the 
his own teammates scattered. They were frightened. They were scattered. So if you're not cottoning on to the piss take that we're going here <laughs> and you haven't been on our social media pages at Sports Detention, you'll get us at Instagram, Twitter, and you'll also now get us at TikTok, guys. Get on to us. We are on the TikTok. So um, the Catlin Dragons had a a bull that they were utilising within the uh, the pre-match entertainment um, over in Perpignan. And the bull got away. He got away. <laughs> and as soon as he got away, um, the players, the hit pads, everything was scattering. And, uh, yeah, it was actually it was quite funny to watch. But, um, yeah, fortunately enough, even though the, the Catlin Dragons do wear red, um, old Bozzy Taurus, he, he, he wasn't too interested in, uh, in taking out any, any uh, players today. Could have been ugly, though. Could have been very ugly. Um, one more talking point we've got to get into before the uh, the next round, which will lead us in, mate. Uh, Mitchell Moses. Yeah. He's out. 11 days. You know what time it is? I know what time it is. It is prime Arthur time. Prime Arthur time. Bambi on ice. He's back. Oh. Jake Arthur. Jake Arthur is going to... Uh, he, he looks like he's going to come in. Um, you know, that, that giraffe-like gait? Yeah. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing it in full flight this weekend, Potty. Oh, obviously, as a Parramatta fan, I want him to do well. But, it, it, like, the kid looks like he works his guts out for it. He mm. looks like he's put on some weight in the off-season. And, you know what, he copped a battering last year. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and he's naturally... And, and we, obviously, we talk... This is... You know, we're taking the piss, but you know the fact that he's the coach's son yeah. makes it worse. You know what I mean? The the poor boy. He's a he's a good young player. He's in an NRL squad, and he's back up to you know one of the leading halves in the game for a reason. But we can't help but take him into this. <laughs> it is prime Arthur time. Prime Arthur time. Get him in Go, there. Jakey. All right, mate. What do we got, mate? Next next round, round 10. Some big footy this week, and it's startling, starting off on Thursday with an absolute bottler. The Storm v. the Broncos. Mm. Now, Broncos are on fire. Storms are a, Storm are a bit patchy. They're wounded. They are wounded. But the Broncos just can't beat the Storm. It just doesn't happen. I think it's happened twice in the last 15 years. There's a lot of history there. Oh. A lot of history. Isn't there what? Isn't there what? So that is going to be... Uh, a hell of a match. The Bulldogs v. the Warriors on the early game on Friday. And then your Penny Panthers versus the Chookies. Um, the main event on Friday night, primetime. Yep. Uh, then on Saturday, the Rabbits v. the Tigers. So we'll really see where the Tigers are at well, in I that mean, game. So if It'd be interesting to see what the Tigers are paying on this one because they've come in, they're coming in with two wins. Yeah. Geez, the Bunnies are, are red hot at the moment. They're red hot. I think they'll just be too classy there. But the Cows v the Dragons up at, up there in Townsville. And then the Eels versus the Raiders. Obviously, we touched on Mitch Moses being out and the Raiders, well, they look fantastic one minute and terrible the next. So yeah. who knows what's going to happen with that in, game. Inconsistent. Inconsistent would be an understatement. Oh well, it's just it's an inconsistent game. It could be, yep. you know, it could be an absolute cracker, or it could be forty six to forty two, mm. and who knows who'll win. Then you've got the the Knights uh, back from Bali, mm. v the Titans, uh, coming off their big win. Then you've got uh, Manly playing the Sharkies, 
and then Redcliffe have got the buy. Now, Redcliffe, do you know what they're doing on the buy, Gregor? What are they doing, mate? They're going up to the Maldives. No, no, no. They're going oh. up to they're going up to the Northern Territory to run training clinics for grassroots football up there. I mean, <laughs> okay. So we've got yes. Newcastle in Bali. Yeah, Redcliffe yes. going up to look after grassroots football in the Northern Territory. Yeah, well, I mean, somebody's missed the mark there. Yes, yes. I mean, it's that's a that's a management thing, if you if you ask me. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'll be interested. Um, I'll be keeping an eye on the team list for the Knights. Um, and if any of the players are dropping out with um, any rash of any sort, <laughs> or um, you know, any barley pro, any uh, delayed barley belly, um, I think we'll, the media will have to jump all over that. And uh, surely we will as well. Absolutely, mate. So, match of the round, who you got? Mate, I've gone the Panthers versus the Roosters. They are very inconsistent, the Roosters, but I'm mm. thinking you might see a little bit of a bounce back. The Panthers, I won't go into too much detail, but the Panthers-Roosters for me now are a little bit like the Broncos and the Raiders in the 90s. Two excellent teams, but you never got to see them face off in a big game. Mm. Over the last five or six years, the Roosters, two premierships, Penrith, two premierships, but we've never really got to see them face off. The Venn diagram didn't merge, did it? No, it never merged. So whenever I see these two teams come together, I just start to dream that maybe this is going to be the night we've been waiting for for the last five years. So that's why I've tipped it as my match of the round. Very good, mate. I've gone for the Storm and the Broncos. I think it's just a marquee match, the Thursday night game. Um, for me, that w- that was the pick of them. Um, I'm really, really interested in the Broncos are now four points clear at the top of the top of the league. Yeah, they've been winning the matches that have been close matches this year. So mm. they're doing a really, really job, good job at getting results. Um, I haven't been impressed as such by their performances as a whole and they haven't looked like they've been four points better than the rest of the competition this year. Yep. So I'm really looking at this as a match where either they put the foot on the throttle and say, look, we are the real deal, or the Storm shortens the leash a bit and brings them back to the pack a little. So mm. that's, that's why I'm really, really interested in this match. And for that reason, I can't wait for it. Absolutely. So, mate, um, I did a bit of time in front of the um, in front of the TV over the weekend. Mm. I was able to watch, you know, a, a nice little show. I mean, last week we talked about Perfect Match, and I told you it was an absolute bludger. But um, you know, I really struggle. I have a completely different taste in in entertainment as my wife, but I actually didn't find any difficulty in getting her to sit down and watch with watch this with me, mate. So. Have you got any idea what I'm going to talk about? Are you going to be talking about Welcome to Wrexham? Absolutely, mate. Anytime you put Ryan Reynolds on your TV screen, I mean, it's amazing. It's like it's got some sort of heat-seeking magnet-modified missile that draws my wife into the lounge room. A, a Ryan Reynolds fan. <laughs> a Ryan Reynolds fan. Uh, that's probably an understatement. <laughs> Yes, um, but mate, yeah. So, welcome to Wrexham. It was a really good one. That's on the uh, Disney Plus. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and it it obviously covers you know the um, Rob McElmany and uh, Ryan Reynolds' purchase of the Wrexham Football Club, um, and yeah, it really goes in. I, I spoke last week briefly about 
Gary Neville, Ryan Giggs, Nicky Butt, David Beckham, Paul Scholes buying Salford FC. Yep. And they did a, a little Class of 92 documentary on that. So it's really in a similar ilk to that. Um, but obviously with the, the glitz and glamour of, of two well-known Hollywood celebrities, um, Rob McElnowney, the um, writer of Always Sunny in Philadelphia, massive hit in America, um, probably less so over here. Um, and Ryan Reynolds, obviously, just a huge movie star in himself. Um, so when they purchased the club, it was it was big news. Um, and without that that link to um, to football, it was it was interesting for the people of Wrexham, mate. But um, what do you think, mate? Have you you caught much of it? Yeah, I've I've gone through probably first five, maybe six episodes. Yeah, now. yeah. So it it was a really easy watch it sort of ticked many boxes it was a really feel-good story mm. and it also covered that sporting itch that i always like to see in my in my docos um it went through how they ended up um going to buy wrexham and the history behind um rob growing up in philadelphia and how he even though they're completely different how he felt uh, an association with wrexham from yeah from uh from his time in Philadelphia. It's and the working class roots of it all. Yeah, and I just... this The fans are really what drew me in, the yeah. fans of Wrexham. Well, wasn't it bizarre that... So, Rob McElhenney and... McElhenney, sorry, I think it is. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. probably butchering it. But anyway, and Ryan Reynolds, they didn't even know each other. No, they I couldn't believe met. that. Like, they... I, I, I was taken away from that. I was like, hold on a second. Well, they didn't even know each other. Like, they, in I the thought they must have been mates. Yeah, in the documentary, it's like they had this idea. Yeah. And they'd heard about each other and they'd sort of, they'd networked online and via Skype calls and Zoom and the like, but they actually didn't know each other. So, which was really, really interesting. And this is all happening during the COVID lockdown as yeah, well. So yeah. they're not, oh, I'll just catch a flight over to LA and we'll have a meeting about it. They're, this is all going yeah, through. And just ideas bouncing off each other. And then they just, you know, had the, had the guts to just go, let's do it. Um, Big thing, mate, uh, and you'll see it pop up. Uh, there's a lot of fandom around the fact that when the vote comes through and they get the green light from the fan-led um, board that they can make the purchase. A lot of Deadpool paraphernalia. and uh, You know, there was some larrikins dressing up like Deadpool at the front of the stadium and everything, but, Potty, I've got to be fair dinkin', mate. Ryan Reynolds isn't Deadpool, mate. No. He's Van Wilder. He is Van Wilder. He is Van Wilder. And for any of our younger listeners who do not know who Van Wilder party liaison are, do yourselves a favour. Go and check it out. Get on YouTube. Check out the trailer. And go and, you know, if you've got a bit of time, go and check it out. It is an absolute ripper of a movie. And for those of you out there who are out of our ilk, you, you already know. You know what we're talking about. I think the kids say, if you know, you know if these If you days. know, you know. Um, mate, it was, uh, yeah, it was a really interesting documentary. Um, you know, and what it means, what the team means to the people of Wrexham, and I think it's something that uh, especially worldwide sport fans don't really grasp a hold of, no. is, you know, the inherent connection to community that, you know, football teams in the UK especially, mm. um, within the footballing pyramid there have um, with their teams. Um, you know, sitting with my wife watching it, um, there's a there's a part where a fan who creates music for the club, he's 
having treatment for bowel cancer, he's having chemotherapy, and they are just talking to him just as in an interview format, and they mm. say, look, bucket list, and they're talking bucket list items, and they say, I think his mate. wife asked him. Yeah, he goes, well, like, what's on your bucket list? And he just looks up as straight arrow to the camera and just goes, Rex and get promotion. Yeah. Like, and it just, my wife just talked to me, turned to me at the time and just went, what? Like, yeah. but that is what it means to these people. He, he doesn't want to go to the Maldives. He doesn't want no. to jump out of a plane. He doesn't even, he's not even worried about them getting promoted to the Premier League. No. No, just back into the football league. Thanks. Just in back into the football league, one jump, and it's like, thank you very much. Yeah, that's no, how much it means no to him. There's no scaling Everest. There's no, you know, lavish holidays. It was get Rexon back into the football league, get him promoted. Um, yeah, it's, so the the dedication that these fans have toward their team is absolutely unrivaled. You know, Wrexham is a, it's a knockabout town. You know, there's, there's, it's not one of the big hitters. Um, you know, there's a DVD shop in Wrexham, <laughs> which I've been, you know, well, enough said on that. If Blockbuster was still getting about. <laughs> um, but I, I really do, going back to the to Ryan Reynolds and, and Rob McElhenney, um, the fact that they were interested in the football pyramid was really really good mm. it, was a, it was a real positive of that documentary because a lot of American owners and owners have come into English football teams and they root, they want to take they want to Americanize the concept of English football where oh, I don't want to invest in something if it can be relegated and not be worth as much next year yeah whereas these guys were like oh hold on a second the other side of the the script is the fact that we can invest in this grassroots football team in Wrexham that means so much to the people and get them potentially into the Premier League. Yeah. You know, so, and I think that was, that was what I believe led to the fans really falling in love with the idea of them becoming owners of the club. Yep. So, Potty, when we talk about fandom and the absolute dedication for you, to your team, does anything compare to football? So, we're talking about, you know, the love we have for our NRL teams? Yeah, so, I mean, the the NRL teams, AFL say it all the time, mate. They they heap on about how dedicated and committed their fans are. Yeah. You know? So, you where, know, do, where do you put them? So, look, we're, we're passionate sport people. Love my eels. Breaks my heart when they lose. To answer your question, does anything compare to football? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's it's a different it's a different It is game, a different beast. It is just and watching Welcome to Wrexham highlights that for you. Mm. And I think about the the idea of promotion and relegation and we've spoken about that. We've spoken about cuz Everton team I support in the Premier League have, you know, good win over the weekend which we'll touch on later, but they they're a chance of being relegated. Oh, cast and they're a big club. And all the fans oh you know, they get relegated. Who do they support next year? They support Everton. They support Everton. <laughs> they support they, Everton. They will follow Everton all the way down to where Wrexham are. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's, um, you know, some examples, mate, of sort of passion. And, you know, the difference is obviously there's a historical context to football that, 
you know, we don't have the pleasure, you know, just due to the fact that we're, you know, in terms of um, the colonisation of our country, we're, we're not a very old country, mm. um, you know, and those historical inputs that, that contribute to a lot of the rivalries and a lot of the, the sort of support networks that occur with, with football teams, uh, we don't have that here in Australia. We, we have had issues with it, especially in the old NSL, when we talk about um, sort of migrant communities building um, football clubs here in Australia, whether it be Sydney Olympics, Sydney United, you know, the Bonnie Rig White Eagles, all those sort of European bases mm. that came over here, um, you know, South Melbourne and the like, who had those, those traditional European followings. Um, so we had a little, and it did cause some issues here in Australia, mm. but... I mean, it, it's what it's all about over there, yep. you know? So if you think about Celtic and Rangers, you know, that is, that goes all the way back to migrant Irish Catholics, yep. you know, in Scotland, living in Glasgow. And they have a massive rivalry with Rangers who are a Protestant-based football club. Like, so the religious component of that means, I mean, they're not sharing the same pub together, that's for sure. No, no. You know, and, the, and those those political and cultural factors are so embedded in these football clubs, which means, you know, people are just attached to them. It is their community. Yeah. The so, idea of picking a team. Yeah. No. And then, I mean, and there's other examples out there. So Barcelona and Real Madrid. Yep. El Clasico. You know, where you just go, oh, you just go, oh, well, there's two biggest teams in Spain. But it's there's more to that. You know, Catalonia, Barcelona, you know, they're, they're their own people. They don't consider themselves Spanish. They're, they're Catalan nat nationals. So Real Madrid is the king's team. Mm. So they, the rivalry is about Spain versus Catalonia. Yeah. You know, there's there's no denying what side that you're on in that. Like, yeah. we just look at it as, oh, it's that El Clasico game where Ronaldo and Messi play against each other or, you know, yeah. the, the big players of the time. But for the fans of those clubs, it is massive. So when you look at the historical, you know, transfers, like, say, for example, the Luis Figo transfer, when he went from Barcelona to Real Madrid and then wondered why they threw a pig's head at him, you know, there was so much more feeling yeah. from the Barcelona fans than we gave than we would give consideration to. Um, you know, and another example too, in terms of fandom, would be Athletic Bilbao and Basque. So the the Basque country, which incorporates um, you know the southwest of France and the the northwest of Spain. Um, you know, they consider themselves their own people and. I believe it's the Cantera policy that Athletic Bilbao has, where if you're not Basque, you can't play for the club. Yeah, okay. So basically, you're in... We're talking about a team that's the fourth best team in Spanish football of all time, and they will not play a player who has not been brought up at a Basque club. Still in 2023. Yeah. You know, so the, the feeling and connection that, that these clubs have for their culture for their area is just is so deep and you know i really think it and as you can see i've been down rabbit hole after rabbit hole looking at this stuff and i'm fascinated by it but like you know we don't have that here in australia so it can be mm. hard for us to consider it tom oh certainly but, but in terms of fandom mate 
have you got any sort of things that have crossed your mind in terms of fans or, you know? Yeah, well, this is something that um, stood out in my mind because I can actually remember it happening. I was about nine years old and I can mm. remember, remember it being on the news and talking to my old man about it and just couldn't believe what was happening. Andreas Escobar, no relation. <laughs> No relation. Oh, that's always the, the that's next the, Google search after that one. That's right. Uh, so, 1994 FIFA World Cup. Colombia's second group match against the United States. Uh, stretching to block across inadvertently own goal. United States take a one. Uh, United States take a one nil lead, and they mm. end up winning two one. So, like, if you've seen the footage of it, it is. It's not. You couldn't say it was deliberate. He's no. just desperately trying to save a goal. It's, a, it's an own goal. Yeah, it's an own goal. Unless your name's Ian Dowie, and do yourselves a favour and Google that one, where you head the ball and it's clearly one of the most clinical headers into your own goal and then you run away celebrating and then realising that you're at the wrong end of the field. It was nothing like that. And, um, you know, so very sad. After returning to Colombia... Uh, Escobar was alone in a nightclub car park and three men came up and uh, they began arguing and two men mm. took out a gun and one of them shot him six times and the report was that the killer was sh- shouted goal after each of the six shots they used to kill him which was how many times the South American commentator had yelled goal when the the That's, own goal was kicked so that is crazy very very sad story and for, for me, I I can remember it and I can remember just being completely shocked by it and talking to talking to my dad about it and it was just like he couldn't ex, he couldn't explain it mm. and like you know I was pretty filthy at Paul Carriage in 1998 when he's <laughs> when he's kicked the ball on his own dead goal line straight out to Craig Polamana who's had a shot for field goal yeah but was... as far as taking someone's life for a mistake oh and and. To ease your wounds on that one, mate, that uh, Broncos team was so loaded that I think it was your your dead man walking, walking into that grand final in 1998, as the Bulldogs did. Um, but I have heard rumours. I mean, you know, we, we will um, we'll address rumours here on the uh, Sports Attention, mate, that uh, Jamie Ainscoe, <laughs> he's also been wearing a bulletproof vest around Cogger and the Illawarra for the last 20-odd <laughs> years as well. So... Oh. Um, but it, going back to welcome to Wrexham, mate. Ryan Reynolds. This was something that I I sort of you know had a look at. Is does he appear to be playing a part the whole time? Oh, like, doesn't he though? Like, it's like he can't switch off. Yeah, it's it's either like he is in character the whole time, or he is really that sort of guy. Yeah, I you know. Yeah, He'd be he, a really interesting cat to meet, wouldn't he? Like, because would you yeah. just like to know. Typical Canadian, really nice fella, but he just appears to be playing the same character who played Van Wilder. Yeah, 20-odd years ago. And again, listeners, if you haven't seen it... Go and check it out. Do yourself a do solid. Do yourself a favour. Um, mate, I'm united at the core. You know that. Mm. But I'll tell you what, you know that documentary? I'll take me one of those TikTok Wrexham jerseys. Oh. Mate, a decent bit of kit, that. A, bit, oh. a decent bit of clobber. I reckon that they they look quite good. What do you think about the um the away kit? The away kit, well, they they've obviously gone for the Welsh colours, yep. which I like that. But um, yeah, you know, either that or they've hired the 
2000 Broncos promotion yeah, promoter. Yes, well, we've already covered shit shirts on this show. Um, <laughs> so we won't do- I'm, I'm sure we'll go around that that uh, that again. Uh, mate, if I was to give it a rating, you know, it's it's got to be, yeah, up there, I'd say about nine flat. We'll go nine flat on, on it. It was a ripper. Um, still not quite finished. So unless it absolutely falls off a cliff in the next two episodes I've got left, um, I'm going to stick with a nine flat at the moment. What do you reckon? I'll definitely pay an iron flat. That was, Mm. yeah, quality watching. Rightio, mate. A bit of Premier League. What do you reckon? A bit of Premier League. Let's go. So... I'll just run through the matches for us. Chelsea, 2-1 over Bournemouth. Frankie! Frankie! How easy is it? Oh, mate, yeah. It's almost like if you've got half a billion pounds of players, you should pick up the three points every now and then. Well, you know. Uh, City, 2-1 over Leeds. A Sam Allardyce-led Leeds. Mm. Well, when desperation calls, Big Sam is there. Spurs, 1-1. 1-0 over Palace. Mm. Mm. The Wolves, the same over Villa. Yeah, big, big uh, mid, Midlands derby, that one. Yep, and also Liverpool, 1-0 over Brentford. Yes. The Arsenal, 2-0 over Newcastle. Yeah, that's a big win for Arsenal. Mm. Keeps, them, keeps them there or thereabouts. Just keeps the hope, just keeps the hope. And then um, West Ham, 1-0 over United. Yeah, um, there's not much you can say about that one, mate. It was, um, you know, West Ham were deserving, but the howler from David De Gea was, I mean, yeah, I've seen better goalkeeping in under fives. Yep, okay. Mm. And then um, uh, Fulham, 5-3 over Leicester. Yeah, the goal fest. Uh, yeah. So this is this is the uh, the Monday, Monday morning yeah. uh, treat here, the goal fest. Yeah, and as you reported, 21 goals? 21 goals in three games. Yeah, um, well, unbelievable. And then um, uh, Forest, 4-3 over Southampton. Forest, 4-3 over Southampton. But look, mate, you've skipped one over there. I have skipped one over here. Let me deliver it to you. Everton, 5. Brighton, 1. Oh, mate. Uh, A very good Brighton team as well. They've been on fire. Yeah, so well done, mate. You must be chuffed with that. The toffees have come in. Well, I've woken up uh, in the morning and I've checked the scores and I thought, oh, it's a misprint. They've, they've, they've butchered it here. They put the they put the hey, scores in the wrong box. You said you woke up and you'd saw the scores. I thought you were going to go down a different track. <laughs> and it was, it was going to get very awkward. But no, you're all good, mate. So match of the round. Can oh, I only guess? You can only guess, mate. Up the mighty toffs. 5-1 over Brighton, who, as we said, had been playing well. Mm-hmm. Um, they've jumped up into 17th spot now, which for the first time in a while puts them... Um, outside that dreaded bottom three. Obviously, there's a ways to go, and they've got a a really tough match um, coming up against City um, next next match. Um, A bright spot in what's been a a pretty dark couple of years uh, at Goodison Park, and hopefully um, it's what ends up saving them from relegation. Geez, it'd be nice to see Sean Dyche just put on a... A defensive clinic against Man City. Oh. oh, that would be special. All right, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm going crazy here, mate. Here it is. 
Man City this week. Oh, Easy he's money. He's going for I'm it. I'm predicting the headline. Here it is. Get excited, Gunners fans. 2-1 of the Toffees. 2-1 of the Toffees. So what's headline, mate? What do we got? Oh, the headline. Oh, okay, so um, Toffee safe. Gunners hope. Oh. <laughs> All right. You heard well, it here first. Oh, mate, and I really wanted to be sensible with my multi this week. <laughs> Let's go crazy. Okay, mate. Uh, my match of the week, uh, match of the round. Sorry, mate. I've got. I've got to go with Fulham Leicester. So any game with eight goals, it's gonna, it's gonna get my interest, mate. Um, but I really liked it. I, I mean, Fulham was so good, mm. and and Fulham have been good this this season. You know, they've been really good. Marco Silva has got them playing fantastic, attacking football. They're playing to their strengths. Got a little dash of class and speed in the in the middle of the park. Um, and just really, they've got Mitrovic up front who, who bullies defences. And, and Vinicius is a big body, and he plays in a similar, but just, just with a little bit more speed than Mitrovic. So they are causing teams trouble. Um, you know, when Liverpool were absolutely battered by Fulham early in the year, which led to Jurgen Klopp coming out and complaining that the pitch was too dry, I mean, we all just thought Jurgen... You know, you just burn a dickhead. Lucky uh, the podcast wasn't around there, <laughs> oh, mate, or you would have been getting a certain award. Oh, dead set. But, you know, I think Klopp, if he had to just held his breath and, and not utilise that useless excuse, he could actually sit back at the end of the season and go, see, they're a decent football team. Mm. You know, um, Fulham have been impressive all season. So, um, yeah, that was my match of the round, and they were bloody good. Leicester, they're, they're in trouble. You know, they are in trouble, Leicester. So... Um, I think a, a big team, whether it be Everton, Leicester, or Leeds, they're going to go down. So, you know, there's going to be some unhappy fans. I believe Forest and Southampton will go down. So it's mm. going to be one of those three, I think, that will go down. So watch this space. Watch this space. And um, what about any other European football news, mate? Anything grabbed mate, your eye this week? Mate, the big news. Put your bags out for Diego. Bags out for Diego. The fans at the Diego Armando Maradona Stadium are rejoicing, mate. Napoli hmm? has won their first Serie A title in oh. 33 years since the great Diego Maradona led them to glory, mate. Um, and... The people of Naples, they love Diego and they love victory because every single one of them was on the field afterwards. Uh, Luciano Spalletti, um, a well-travelled uh, manager, Italian manager. He's been around a lot of the big clubs. Um, you know, he, he wins a Serie A title and mm-hmm. does it with Napoli, which is, is, you know, is massive. You know, considering they, they let a lot of good players leave in the off-season, and they felt as though it was just a rebuilding cycle that was starting again. Uh, the club generated a fair bit of income with player sales, but they've gone out and they've won the title. Yeah. So it's all, all pretty interesting with AC Milan winning it last year, Juventus obviously cheating again like they do, and um, Napoli winning it this year. I mean, Serie A is getting exciting. I haven't seen sort of this much interest in it since probably you know the early 2000s, late 90s. So. Mm. Um, Mate, but there's an Aussie, mate, who's doing really well. Big Ange? Big Ange. How good is that, mate? Ange Poscoglu is, he's on track for the treble, mate. Mm. You know, if I was to say the only treble that gets dished out in European football this season, if it goes to Celtic, I'll be a very happy man. (laughs) 
Okay, um, so second title in the row for, for Celtic. Um, you know, I'm hoping that Ange can keep doing the job for the Hoops. Yep. And he gets automatic qualification for the Champions League next year. I think that'll be a bit of a carrot for him to stay yep. at, at Celtic. Because um, I think a big job will come. Yep. A big job's going to come for Ange. Um, now, for me, it's not the right time. I'd like to see him get another crack at the Champions League with Celtic. Yep. And uh, build up his reputation a bit more because, you know, when we look at Steven Gerrard, we look at Brendan Robert, or, uh, Rogers, sorry, both without jobs now. They're the two last big managers from both Celtic and Rangers to, to use that as a springboard to, to Premier League jobs. So I'd be, uh, yeah, I'd be treading with caution if I were Ange. I can't, sh- I can't picture he'd be short of an offer. No, I, I think he'll get the offers, but yep. I think at this point in time with how well he's doing at Celtic, Yep. how well regarded he is not only by Celtic fans but by the players they love playing for Ange he's, and you you can jump on um, on YouTube and the like and you can see him running coaching sessions with Celtic and I'll tell you what you want to you want to play for him because he just sounds like an old knockabout Aussie bloke who's talking to his players like they're human beings he, he's really really comfortable with his interactions with the players and you can imagine they actually really love playing for him yeah and he plays good, fast attack and footy. So, yeah. I think a big job will come for Ange. Well done, Ange. Well, mate. Where to now? It can only be time for one thing. The Integrity Report. Integrity. This is Democracy Manifest. We're going to do something we haven't done much of so far this in our short history. Basketball. Basketball. The NBA. Yes. The NBA, mate. We well, the fact that I stand at about four foot two, mate, you can see why I avoid the basketball a bit. Yeah, I was never noted for my um, prowess on the old, old basketball court, but uh, something caught our eye with the Denver Nuggets, didn't it, this week? Denver Nuggets, mate. Yep. The Nuggets. Su- superstar. Nikola Jokic. I think they call him the Joker. A bit like Novak. You'd have to, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. You know, jump on board with that. Now, mate, he's been ejected. Sent off. Sent off, yeah. He's been ejected. So it was a tech foul, I think they call it. Technical foul. For elbowing the owner of the Phoenix Suns, Matt Ishbia, Mm. during the NBA playoffs on Monday. So it's technically a foul to elbow someone in the head. Well, I mean, let's, let's, let's play it out with a bit of rationale here, mate. Yep. Jokic needs to, or the Joker, he needs to maintain a cool head. I think mm. we can agree on that. Oh, know? yeah. Trying circumstances, the heat's on, it's a big game. Um, but at the end of the day, Potty, I'm an, I've had enough of sport franchise owners thinking that they are anything more than a sponsor. Yeah. Like, if Matt Ishbia wants to sit front row and step up to... Nikola Jokic, he deserves chinning. Seriously. Mess with the Joker? Something could be coming your way. Absolutely. The joke's on you. The joke's on you. The American owner, mate. This is the integrity issue that I've got. The American owner. So, I would say don't start me, but I'm started. Don't start me on this pack of flogs. In what world do we live in that says if your team and their fans put in the blood, sweat and tears to win a Super Bowl, 
The kids that inherited the professional sporting franchise from a deceased estate can go up and receive the trophy. To see the greatest of all time, Potty, Tom Brady, stand back while the glazer knobs lift the Lombardi trophy is a black eye to the sport, or just to sport in general. Even worse, the future GOAT, Paddy Mahans, and Andy Reid. Andy Reid, a man who has done everything in football, had to stand back and watch Clark Hunt. Have you heard of him? Clarky. <laughs> Lift the Lombardi Trophy. The way the Americans treat the owner is more important than the players and coaching staff, Potty. It makes me sick. Well, it just seems to go against the fabric of sport, doesn't it? It does. That. What did you achieve? Nothing. No, you own the team. Yep. You, you know, you put a little cash in sometimes. But if you look at the price of what NFL franchises come from, you're making money out of it. Mm. Yeah, it's an investment. You know, American owners, mate, if we'll stick with them, in recent times they've tried to spread their wings into sports ownership space with consistent results. The consistent side of things is that everyone hates them, mate. In the Premier League, Todd Bowley, and we've talked about this galah, has single-handedly made Chelsea's squad and club value depreciate. Bowley's financial decisions at Chelsea potty have been so out of touch with English football, it would make more sense opening up a new video easy for each other. <laughs> there have been some terrible sport franchise owners in the US, mate. It's not something that's new. Have You've you got, got a couple a, of examples, Dan, Have mate. you got one for me, mate? Uh, mate, I'm going to let you go first. Go ahead. Go on. I'm going to go with Donald Sterling. Now, Donald Sterling was the former owner of the LA Clippers. He was forced into a sale from the NBA after voice recordings of Mr. Sterling delivering an absolute scathing racially fueled tirade. They became public. And he was forced to sell. Another one, mate. Charles Wang. Wangy. He owned the New York Islanders in the NHL ice hockey. And Charles, as owner, was overstepping the mark because he was trying to give tactical advice and saying that sumo wrestlers would make better goalkeepers. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, mate, the one that really, really hurts me, the Glazer family, who borrowed £500 million to purchase Manchester United, loading debt onto the club and continuing to drain it of money for interest payments and dividends to investors. Mate, they can all go and do one. (laughs) You got any for me, mate? Mate, well, let's put a bit of a local flavour on it. Have you heard of... Have you heard of Nathan Tinkler? Nathan Tinkler. Nathan Tinky Tink, mate. Nova Castrians will tell you about Nathan Tinkler. He was their, uh, their knight in shining armour at one point, wasn't yeah, he? Blue in the town, maybe oh, a decade ago now, maybe a little bit more, mm. with the promises of gold and riches and premierships for everyone. And he had form. I mean, he had a, a wonderful house on Merriweather Beach. He did, he did, didn't Overlooking. he? Overlooking. But he bought in the great Wayne Bennett. Mm-hmm. Who bought in a few of his old posse from St. George? Mm, Darius Boyd. Darius Boyd. Yep, had, had to come and the like. 
And, um, you know, how did that go for him? Within a couple of years, mm. not only was he out the door in financial trouble, but the Knights were in all sorts of bother. And uh, three wooden spoons later... He, he single-handedly put that club back 10 years, I reckon. He did. He Just, did, without a there doubt. There was no emphasis on development. He brought Wayne Bennett in to bring players in and just coach them to a premiership. Yeah. So there was only focus on the players who were revolving around the first-grade squad, and the rest of the club crumbled. Yeah. It's just, with, with no matter how much money you got, with the salary cap restrictions, it was never going to work. You can't buy a premiership in a season, and it just blew up in their face. You can invest in the future, though, mate. That's right. You can definitely do that. Anyone else, mate? Um, well, what about Clive Palmer? Oh, big Clive. He's not far away from anything ridiculous that happens in this country, is he? Oh, big Clivey. Gold Coast United, the A-League. How are they going at the moment? Oh, mate, yeah. You're true. It's, I mean, Gold Coast and sporting franchise, mate. Yeah, you it's... Know, if you want to waste cash. Well, it's... Yeah, the the Titans, well, are they going all right now? We'll have to wait and see. The Suns, you know, yeah, have them... Have yeah, them... the Titans have done all right. And the Suns, you know, the AFL does a good job at propping them up. Yeah. Don't worry about that. But, um, yeah. Clivey Palmer, mate, I can't forget the Freedom of Speech jersey. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, So yeah. when he was having a back and forth with the A-League and they were bickering over, you know, funding and... You know, he's, you know, him wanting to do it certain ways and then sort of holding him to ransom over the license. And he got the players to wear a jersey that was self sponsored and just said freedom of speech. Another great business decision from Clive Palmer. <laughs> and um, finally, on our little bit of local flavour, I'm going to put this one to you, mate, because I, I, know you, I know you've got a story about this one. Alan Bond. Bondi. Bondi and the Bondi. America's Cup. Oh, mate. it's And that's a good doco. Yep. The one, the untold story on Netflix with the America's Cup. But Alan Bond funded Australia too. So mm. he funded uh, the America's, America's Cup. Assault. So the America's Cup for the younger viewers? So the so oldest, who... oldest competition. Yeah, oldest know, competition. Oldest consecutive competition in sport. Um, and it's the America's Cup because the New York Yacht Club had won it un, yeah, yeah. uncontested until the 80s from, I believe, the 1860s. Yeah. I'm just throwing numbers out there. It's around that time. Yeah, nobody else. Nobody else had won it. So the New York Yacht Club or had always won it, and Australia too, or Australia, were the first team to actually take them on and, and beat them at their own game. And it was all funded by Alan Bond, who was a very, very wealthy businessman um, in the 80s, mainly in the 70s and 80s in Australia. Um, however, he was he was a bit of a rogue, would, could we say, in terms of his, his spending habits. Mm. He, he would buy things that were hot at the time and he'd buy them at premium rates. And uh, yeah, he seemed to, yeah, seemed to have a bit more money than, uh, than strategic uh, financial sense in, in certain uh, situations. The big one was obviously when he purchased Channel Nine from Kerry Packer. So he spent a billion dollars on Channel Nine. He said that it was worth eight hundred million, and he went in and sure enough, Kerry Packer didn't budge a dollar on that. <laughs> he told him that it's worth a billion or get out of my office. So he ended up paying the billion for it, and then 
as a part of the deal, Kerry Packer got, uh, I'm, I'm not the best on my financial uh, lingo, however, he got liquidable equity in it. So if it did become liquidated, he had a small equity in the liquidation. Mm. And then obviously when Alan Bond went broke, Kerry Packer used that liquidable equity to then purchase and buy it out, which was at about 500 million. So he essentially got Channel 9 back for 500 million. He sold it for a billion, got it back for 500 million. And the famous saying goes from Kerry Packer, you only get one Alan Bond in your life. And I've had mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, beautiful, beautiful. Mate, so we've discussed some of the owners that have got it all wrong. Yep. But, mate, have you got any uh, sports owners that, you know, have done things differently or, or maybe even got it right? Mm, so, Muhammad Al-Fayed. Oh, yes. Heard of heard of him? I've heard of Muhammad. Yep. Uh, so, Al-Fayed bought, um, so he bought Fulham. Yep. And he bought them in 1997. Now, Fulham were at a pretty low um, yeah. um, period then. They'd been struggling for... Um, they were either in the first or second division when he picked Yeah, them. I think they were in the second division at the mm. time. And uh, his long-term aim was to get them into the Premier League. And he wanted to do that in five years. In 2001, after four years, they won the first division, mm. uh, which is now the, um, the championship. This meant that Al-Fayed had achieved his Premier League aim a year ahead of schedule. By 2002, uh, Fulham were competing in European football. Mm. And um, I think they remained in the Premier League until 2014. So Yeah, so the 2013-14 season was when they went back down. Yeah. And um, so uh, in 2014, he sold Fulham to Shahid Khan. Shahid Khan. So, so a bit of context on yep. Muhammad Al-Fayed for the listener. So Muhammad Al-Fayed was the owner of Harrods department store in the UK. Yep. He was also the father of Dodi Al-Fayed, who was Princess Diana's boyfriend and who died in the obviously tragic car accident in Paris with Diana. So, you know, that was pretty groundbreaking back mm. then. You know, an ex-wife of the now king as of the weekend, yep. you know, her boyfriend was an Egyptian multimillionaire. Yep. You know, it was, yeah, quite groundbreaking at the time. Um, you know, Muhammad, he was a different cat. Yeah. A bit of a different cat. I mean, yeah, he did some weird stuff at Fulham when he was owner. Yeah, so, um, you know, he didn't get them all right, according to many people. He was um, highly criticised for a statue of Michael Jackson, which was good unveiled. Football, right? um, yeah, good football, which was <laughs> unveiled at Craven Cottage in, um, in uh, 2011. So the fans would have been okay with that, especially despite the, the chequered history of yeah. Uh, and uh, he was quoted as saying, if some stupid fans don't understand and appreciate such a gift this guy gave to the world, then they can go to hell. I don't want them as fans. <laughs> so, I'd suggest that the fans were less worried about his musical talents and more worried about some of the accusations that were levelled yeah. at Jackson. And I would suggest too, that is uh, an old multi-millionaire, maybe even billionaire, doubling down. Doubling down. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, that was, uh, that, I found that quite interesting. And, and you know, after he uh, bought them in 1997, you couldn't argue um, 
quite mm. successful for the better part of two decades. Did a good job. So he sold the club to Shahid Khan. Yep, Shahid Khan, and, and owner remember, of the Jacksonville remember, Jaguars. Yeah, so owner of Jacksonville Jaguars, but he's also the owner of the most powerful moustache in world sport. Is have he you, ever? Have you seen oh, oh the impressive moustache that Shahid Khan has got? It is old-fashioned, just... The, the twist in the end, thick, bushy. Oh, it opens Do doors. A favor. It opens doors. It's Do just... a favor. Um, but he also, he, his son's on the board. The son, Tony Khan, is Tony it? Tony Khan, yeah. yeah. What is Tony? So they, um, they've started up the wrestling promotion to try ah, and rival WWE, AEW. And that's been going for four or five years now. I think it um, started back in 2019. Because he's like an actor or he's, yeah, a, he's a media personality, yeah, Tony Khan. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And so, um, you know, they're not quite up to the WWE standards at the no, moment, that's but a, that's, um, that's, a, that's that's a big standard to reach out for, though. That's a big battle, and um, yeah, so I found that quite interesting, um, and um, also looked into a bit of a local flavour, Rusty Crow. Ooh, Rusty. You know, and as we all know, and many of our listeners will know, um, Russell Crow, part owner in the South Sydney Rabbitohs, and has mm. been there since two thousand and six. Look, Rusty cops his criticism, but you know, they were a basket case when he came in. Mm. They oh, were just yeah, still struggling after being kicked out of the competition. And since 2006, they had a slow build and then obviously won the Premiership 2014. And they've um, moved on to become one of the powerhouse clubs who regularly finish in the finals and preliminary finals and grand finals. And, you know... Um, and, I, and I think if you're being fair to Russell Crowe and Peter Holmes of Court and those who are involved throughout that transition, is they really, for a lot of NRL clubs, redefine what an organisational structure looks like. Mm. Because long were the days, and for a lot of our you know younger listeners or those who, who haven't sort of considered it, and rugby league became extremely reliant, or has always been from... You know, the 70s through to the 90s, so reliant on poker machines and leagues clubs to fund the game. When Russell came back in and they purchased, Russell and Peter Holmes, of course, purchased the club, I mean, it went into infrastructure. They rebuilt Redfern Oval. They built the core of the club back and then they focused on memberships. They focused on building the brand of South Sydney as Mm. opposed to relying on South Juniors which is the, the league's club, um, to continue to fund the club. So next minute you know, Snoop Doggy Dog, he's got himself a bunnies jumper, you know, and the random South guy becomes a thing because it's just popping up yeah. left, right and centre. Did, did an amazing job. Again, you know, to say that he's gotten everything right, well, he hasn't been without his controversy, <laughs> has he? <laughs> So he's been accused of offering um, some fairly high-profile coaches some tips as yeah, far as game plans and that, structures. That's a problem. And obviously there was the infamous Luke Keary versus Russell Crowe showdown at Nana Glen. No evidence to back this up, but I'm going to assume Rusty was in full gladiator kit when that went down. Oh, of course. Have to be. And, you know, walking Venus was nowhere to be seen at the time. But It would be. I mean, he was probably already in the Uber on the way back to Sydney. Uh, <laughs> I'd imagine, I'd imagine. So those were my couple of examples, mate, but you you got to have something for me. Mate, Silvio Berlusconi, mate, and we're going back to football because, you know, I have a keen interest. So Silvio Berlusconi, former Prime Minister of Italy, um, when he bought AC Milan in 1986, you know, he was just a simple, wealthy entrepreneur. 
Um, but he just acquired numerous titles after that. Prime Minister being one. And he also became a man who, let's just say, dabbled in the ladies of the night on a regular <laughs> basis. Uh, a, a very, very flamboyant character, uh, well known in Italian politics. Um, but what is often, you know, the success of Milan kicked on after he purchased them. You know, they have obviously won Serie A eight times. They won six Champions Leagues, you know, so he had a lot of success there. But what people often don't talk about was where Silvio Berlusconi made his money, which is the real masterstroke in this, is he owned one of the television stations. So when he owned the television station, oh. and then he went and purchased one of the most high-profile high clubs in the country, where do you think the TV rights are going, baby? Oh. They're going to his television station. So he built this media you know, conglomerate on the back of the influence that he got from being in the position he was as AC Milan owner. So he just padded his pockets yeah. with tons of cash in the, we're talking late 80s, early 90s Italian football where it was the Ducks Nuts. You know, everybody was watching Italian football then. You know, the great AC Milan sides, you know, Juventus with Zidane and, you know, the, the big sides of the time. So, you know, this is back into Milan with the original Ronaldo. Yeah. You know, so it's, he just, it was a masterstroke in terms of business. Um, and then obviously, uh, yeah, he went into politics after that. And then, you know, I mean, he is, he's probably had every single Botox surgery you could get. He's, you know, he's a real funny character, Berlusconi. So, uh, yeah, real interesting one there. Um, and another one for you. I've got Suleiman Kerimov. Now, when we talk about Russian investment in football, everybody just straight away thinks of Roman Abramovich. You know, mm. the Chelsea takeover in 2003, which absolutely just redefined English football and, you know, sent Chelsea on a trajectory, you know, north. Yeah. Basically inflated all the transfer fields because money wasn't an issue. Now... He's obviously the most notable Russian oligarch to own a football team. But the dark arts of Russian football goes a bit deeper than that. It's got to rest purely on Suleiman Kerimov, uh, mate. This is a man who has close ties to both Vladimir Putin and also Ramzan Kadyrov, the Chechen leader. So, I mean, he, wo he works in high circles. So, Kerimov, he purchased Dagestani football team, Anzi Makakala, who play in the Russian Premier League. Now, he purchased players, and I don't know, if you get a map on Google and you have a look at Dagestan and where it is, it's you know, not the most attractive place to go and play football, mind you. He was able to get Samueletto to go and play for them, Roberto Carlos. Premier League winner William played for them early in his career. Manager, Goose Hiddink. You heard of him? Oh, Goose. <laughs> in Goose We Trust. It raised many eyebrows at the time due to the wages he was playing for these players to get them to come and play in the Russian Premier League. But the issue, the major issue there was 
The team's base was actually in Moscow. <laughs> now, if you get on Google and you have a look and run to check your maps, Moscow is 1,809 kilometres away from Dagestan. So that's the equivalent of the team playing their home games in Melbourne but being based out of Brisbane. <laughs> so the players would just fly in and out of Moscow for games and then they would have all their training and do everything... Uh, you know, in Moscow, obviously, and then fly into Dagestan to play their games. So, you know, I've got nothing but nice things to say about Suleiman Kerimov because, obviously, I don't want to uh, end up with a nice cup of plutonium tea <laughs> sitting in front of me, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so there's some really interesting cats uh, when you go down to the dark digs of football ownership and, uh, yeah, it's, it's really, really interesting, mate. Oh, oh well, so there's a couple I, of crackers there, Gregor. I think, we've, I think we've dug pretty deep on that one, mate. So That the, was the integrity report. and we integrity report, if we go back to it, American owners, go and do one. Come on. Well, we better touch on all other things sport, and um, we do like the fight game, so... Oh, absolutely. Got UFC 288 fight card, Gregor? Mate, it was a good card. Um, Aljamain Sterling versus Henry Cejudo. Henry Cejudo coming back after uh, two years off. Yep. Two years. Um, you know, it was a split decision win for Sterling. Yep. It was a really, really good fight. I thought, you know, I, I was pretty comfortable that Sterling was going to get the nod, Um However, you know, Cejudo, I think, you know, when I watch it and I watched it back, it was, it was, he just was a fighter. He's a really, really good fighter. One of the best to ever do it who had had two years off. I yep. mean, there was no way to do, other way to describe it. Uh, Aljamain Sterling's getting better. I mentioned that last episode as we led into the fight. He's getting better every single fight, and you can't just take that time off yeah. and then expect to compete at that level. Uh, the other fight, mate, Gilbert Burns versus Bilal Muhammad. Um, Muhammad was, you know, he was, he was too powerful, I think, eventually. But um, Gilbert Burns had a, had a bit of an injury. There was a, a takedown attempt early in the first in which uh, Bilal Muhammad, really powerful, sprawled right out of. And I think it may have um, injured Gilbert Burns' left arm. So he was basically fighting one arm for the rest of the fight. And um, Bilal Muhammad just sort of just was tactically astute. He moved around, switched his dance regularly. He was absolutely thumping the high kicks into the other shoulder, so yeah. really limiting what Gilbert Burns could do. And uh, a big win for Muhammad. I, I'd say it's a title shot now for Muhammad. He'll have to wait till uh, Cody, uh, Colby Covington and uh, Leon Edwards fight for the title and then see who he picks up from that. But I think he's well deserved. He's on a, I believe, a ten fight win streak now. So he's, mm. he's on a on a big run. Uh, Jessica Andrade got knocked out. Big win for Yarn. Uh, that was those girls were hitting hard mm. in that fight, and they were throwing some leather. But um, the big one for me, mate, Cron Gracie was absolutely pieced up by uh, Charles Jordan. 
Um, they could, I noticed his nickname in the fight, Air Jordan. So he's, he's run Air with Jordan. it. Air Jordan. That's so he, good. He ran with it. But um, watching that fight, mate, I was just looking at it going, look, we've come a long way from UFC 1. Yeah. Where everybody had their own specific martial art. Yeah. And if Cron Gracie wants to fight at the highest level, you know, he's got to rely on, or he's got to get better at his stand-up. He's got to be able to wrestle as well and be able to, you can't pull guard. Mm. You can't pull guard and wait for, you know, or just hope that a fighter is going to end up in the right position where you can sweep and attack with your jiu-jitsu. It's just not going to work. Um, and Jordan just, he just showed that, you know, he was able to, you know, ride the wave whilst he was in dangerous positions with Cron Gracie. And then when it was on the feet, he just went to work mm. and just pieced him up. So it was, uh, yeah, some really good fights. But, um, you know, no massive surprises there, even in the Sterling-Cejudo fight. I think when you when you consider the time off from Cejudo, uh, I think suggestions were that he's done at the end of this. But I think emotionally at the end of the fight and, you know, when you've just come back, you, you might go, look, it just didn't happen for me. I'm gonna gonna pack it in, but I'd be interested to see where he goes from here. Usually, a, a couple of weeks off and a and a reevaluation can can get a fighter back hungry again. Mm. Yeah, well, so so a pretty good card. Very good card, mate. I yeah, I was I was pretty impressed with it. All right, mate. Well, the live debacle drags oh, on, mate. What is going still, on? Still going on, mate. So the latest. The latest. Um, the DP Tour. They're threatening... That's the European Tour. Yeah. They're threatening to fine players now. They're threatening to... Yeah. I don't, I don't know how that works. Yeah. Um, I, I see, and obviously this is me just you know going straight off the cuff here. The, the players who are playing in Live have a contract with Live. Yeah. So they... You know, are contracted to be a part of um, of the live program. Yep. However, I don't see how the DP tour would have a similar contractual arrangement that the players have to play in every event. Mm. So I, I just don't understand. And if these guys are subcontractors, which a lot of them are, you know, because they they kind they're professionals, they go they're contracted um, per event. Mm. I can't see how this isn't a restriction of trade. Yeah, well, so the fines are suggested to be fairly significant, $930,000 in fines, so mm. nearly a million dollars. And so the article printed on Fox Sport you know, suggested the, the DP World Tour has the power to suspend live golfers after winning a recent legal battle with an arbitration hearing ruling in their favour. Mm. So, yeah, so obviously that would be around the mm. contractual obligations yeah. of the players. Now, I, I, from my knowledge, is it Sergio Garcia? Sergio he's Garcia. Out he has, he's yeah. Backed out. Um, Ian Poulter as well yep. has decided, and Lee Westwood. Yep. Yeah, so those guys have decided that, well, thanks thanks for the memories. We've, we're done. We're going to go and play live golf. Yeah. We're not going to challenge it, but... Yeah, I'm surely there'll there'll be others that you know if they still want to play in the team tournaments, if they still want to play on the European tour, I'm sure they could challenge that. And you know, I just don't see how that isn't a restriction of trade. You know, to be able to fine you, maybe to say you can't play, that might be a different story. But to say that we're going to fine you, 
there must be something in the contracts that are that is you know binding for the players to play certain events and we've touched on this before but i'm just not sure that i see it as like healthy moving forward in the long term no. for the sport oh, i think that's what we've both really agreed yeah. on yeah but there it is, and um, it drags on, and unfortunately it seems like it's going to get worse before it gets better. But let's talk about something healthy. Let's talk about Tassie. 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 Have you ever been to Tassie? I have been to Tassie, mate. Never had the opportunity yet. I'd love no. to get down there. Yeah, I, look, I hear good things. You know, I, I, I stayed more in the north yep. when I was down there, and I was only a very young kid when I went down there. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was actually my first experience of snow. Wow. Yeah. But uh, what's happening in Tassie, mate? So after years of waiting, the people at Tassie finally have what they want. The AFL appears ready to officially greenlight the release of their newest franchise. And it's going to happen in Tassie, mate. Tassie? Mate, so you're telling me that Tasmania, long-suffering Tasmanians, like where this is... AFL Heartland. Heartland. Tasmania. Yeah. They're no longer going to be Hawthorne side piece. No longer Hawthorne side piece. So. They're going to have something more to cheer than just Ricky Ponting and David Byrne. Oh, mate. Not great, to not knocking the great, the great Ricky Ponting. Not yeah. knocking David Burney. That's true. Um, so essentially, you know, the state, after building an economy on grey nomads, car- mm. caravan tourism, they're getting a chance at AFL glory, Potty. Oh. After such a long wait, mate, this has got to be a really smooth transition, wouldn't you think? Well. <laughs> <laughs> so, mate, what, what have we got? So what's happened already so far? I mean, what do you got to do when you come up with a team? You, you, you come, up with the, come up with a name, yeah, don't you? Good name. Well, easy. That's easy. I've, yeah. I've got it for you, Grego. Tazzy Devils. Done. Tassie Devils, well, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Just, you know. Yep, done. Straight in. No problem with that. Can't see anyone having a problem with it. Move on. Rightio, what are we up to next? Hang on. What? Just add core. Warner Brothers. They're not happy oh. with it. <laughs> Warner Brothers aren't happy with oh, it. Oh, Hollywood strikes again. Oh. oh my God. They, 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 well, you know, you are you a Warner Brothers fan? The Tassie Devil. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it reminds me of my childhood. Yeah. Tarzos. Tarzos. Oh, Tarzos. I remember those. You get them in your chip packets. Yeah. Tarzos. Oh. Mate, so you're telling me that an LA-based media giant cannot find the generosity to give the people of Tasmania what they deserve. Well, mate, I I think you've just nailed it with one word there. Give? (laughs) Nah, they're not giving anything. Yeah, I suppose it's Hollywood we're talking about, <laughs> aren't we? What, so, well, what can we call them, Potty? If we if we can't call them the Tassie Devils, oh, well, let, let's just keep it simple. Let's, Certificus let's, Satanicus. Let, if we're talking scientific, let's get a bit of alliteration going, mate. Come on, we're we're smart people. I've got it. Tassie Tigers done. Tasmanian Tigers can't use that, mate. What? What's happened? We've already got the Richmond Tigers. Oh, the Richmond Tigers. That's the first one. And I'm going to go in a little harder on this, mate. Yep. Let's face it, mate. The Tassie Tiger looks like a malnourished dog. (laughs) (laughs) The Tasmanian Tiger. If you wonder why the Tasmanian Tiger 
is extinct, mate. You go and look at that old black and white footage of it. It looks like Matthew McConaughey on his last legs in Dallas Buyers Club. Oh. Okay, it's in a world of hurt. All right, well, we need to help out the people of Tassie. They're, they're big fans of the show down there. Well, they're not yet. They don't know they are, but I assume it's coming. I've got a suggestion for you. Give it to us, mate. Tasmanian Toeballs, mate. Oh, Mate, Tasmanian. they are known for their caravan tourism of both retired and semi-retired Australians. Yeah. So we go for the Tassie Toeballs, mate. What do you reckon? Mate, I love that. I think that's fantastic. But let me throw something out there. What do you got? The Tasmanian bass. The bass? The bass. There are a bit of fishing going down there. There's got to be a connection to the area. Where? What do we got? Bass. Yeah. The, oh, I don't know. The Bass Strait. Bass Strait. Hey, yes. come on, come oh, on. So it's a little geography lesson for us as yep, well. There we go. I kids kids go to the footy and they learn something. I love that. Tassie Bandicoots. The ca- Tassie Bandicoots. Oh, yes, I like that. Yep, yeah, quite good. Well, Tassie known for their fine cheese and, and mm. you know, getting a, a good name in the whiskey business as well. What about the Tassie Taster Testers? Ooh. Yeah. Bit of a tongue twister. A tongue twister. Three T's. Look, mate, I'm gonna go I'm gonna get a bit edgy here. Tasmania trannies. Oh wow. <laughs> Explain. Now, now you're thinking something else. Me? I'm thinking hydroelectricity. Yes. I'm thinking transmission. Okay. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. Or basically, if we wanted to just go all out of there, we just call them the Maps of Tassie. Yeah, the Maps of Tassie. <laughs> well, um, b- before we move on, mate, what, what my, my final one, what about, you know, are you a Prince fan? Don't mind a bit of Raspberry Beret. The team formerly known as Tassie Devils. There you go. There you go, mate. Master play. <laughs> what about the Tassie Two Heads? Well... <laughs> Oh, well, mate, I think we have solved the problem that given the people of Tasmania, plenty of team names to think of. I think so. And, you know, at the end of the day, there's no better way for the AFL to stick it to Hollywood than saying, look, if you're not going to give us the Tassie Devils, we're going to give you the Tassie Two Heads and we're going to take our first round opener to La La Land. Why not? Why not? You can do it. All right, mate. Well, let's get into the betting. The three-legged multi of the week. How'd you go, mate? Mate, I'll jump right in here. Um, One of my best mates. He is a demon. A fiend at the blackjack table. Loves a bit of VJ. I've got one of those mates as well. Oh, absolutely loves Mm. it. And he will tell you until he is blue in the face. A push isn't a loss. I push into the loss. And that was my story over the week, mate. Two out of three, but I never had a chance. Johnny Bateman withdrew from the game in the warm-up. Did his hamstring, so I couldn't mm. win my bet. But money back. And I was pretty happy with that. Sadly, mate, got some very bad news. That, that was the second most profitable of our three-leg multis that we've done so far. Gamble responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> well... I don't know where to go with this potty. Zero from three. Oh. <laughs> Mate, the try scorer multi that I put forward was awful. If I keep throwing away cash like I have been, mate, I might as well have fun with it. So 
I'm going for a new tack this week. Haven't thought of it yet. So more to come. <laughs> more to come. <laughs> oh, fantastic. All right, yeah, mate. I'm going to go straight to you, mate, because this is, from all the feedback that I'm getting, the most popular segment, the mm. penis of the week. And, mate, I think you've got a ripper for me today. What have you got, mate? Oh, mate. For me... Scanning through the news over the week, there could only be one bloke. The hotel manager, the manager in Nashville, who walked into a guest room. Great spot, Nashville. Nashville. Never yeah. been there, but heard Neither fantastic I. things. I was, just, I was just trying to pump it up. <laughs> Tennessee. Whiskey. Whiskey. Uh, he's walked into a guest room in the middle of the night, and he hasn't stolen anything straight away. He started sucking on his toes. I mean... One of the guests. He started sucking on the guest's toes while he's asleep. Is that an added extra? (laughs) Well, I don't know if he... I mean, I've heard of room service. I've heard of room service, but I don't know if he's ticked the wrong box in his... Was podiatry an option? Oh, I tell you what, I'm at a loss here, honestly. Sucking of the toes. I mean, that's an aggressive move in general. It is an aggressive move. Especially on a stranger. On a stranger. And, you know, the first thing that jumped to my mind was, mate, how did you think that was going to go for you? Like, honestly, yeah. honestly, how did you think that was going to go for you? So, look, this bloke has been charged now. He's in sitting in a jail cell. No one's bailed him out. No, <laughs> well, so, the bloke... Um, I mean, he. it's almost like he's he's won that battle. He's almost like he's won that battle. He's he, at the toe-sucking buffet at the moment, mate. Well, mate, he's in for a world of hurt. And, um, you know, first he's lost his job. Mm. Now he's in jail, but yeah. I think the worst is still to come for this bloke. He's going to have to tell his cellmates what he's in there for. He's going to have to yeah. tell his cellmates when they say, what are you in here for? Mm. Oh, I'm in here for sucking a guy's toes. Sucking toes, yeah. So, mate, that was my penis of the week. And, yeah, you know, I don't know where toe sucking sits in the hierarchy of sort of, uh, you know, the criminal underworld. You know, where does it sit, you know, in the terms of the levels and whether, you know, it's seen in a good light or a poor light, but yeah, anyway. Well, my next door from Shake Me Head so much, so. <laughs> <laughs> Only time will tell. Mate, what mate, about you? What do you got for us? Mate, this is absolutely bizarre because we've just gone down a very similar tack because my penis of the week is the bloke who's been running around harassing people in Somerset. Running around harassing people? Yeah, so, I mean, it's just, you know, some people do different things and, you know... We've all got different interests. Yeah, that's exactly right. But, you know, this guy is running around and he has been terrifying drivers while wearing a gimp suit. Oh. Full black latex, head-to-toe gimp suit, and he's been running around. So a man in his 30s has been arrested after writhering on the ground in a terrifying female driver while dressed head-to-toe in a black latex gimp suit. Now, he has been held on suspicion of causing a public nuisance. I think that's fair enough. Hmm. And, um, you know, the female driver has now issued a warning on social media after coming across the man on her journey home. She's posted photos, and I mean, this is special. This bloke is dead set head-to-toe in the gimp suit. (laughs) Mate, it is an absolute pisser. Can you imagine that next to your window as you're about to... Mate, I wouldn't know what to think. But, uh, yeah, so he's obviously been held currently and uh, he will be facing 
trial for his public nuisance. Um, however, he has previous, mate. He's, he's he, got priors? He's got priors. Uh, he has previously... I can't uh, believe that. He has previously also suffered charges of causing a public nuisance. So he sounds like a pest, this guy. Um, <laughs> he was seen wearing another all-in-one black rubber suit. So yeah. I think it seems to be his go-to move. Um, and he seems is now being held under investigation for that. So there has been up to 14 reports of this occurring. So, look, if you are, you know, just bored or you're just you know, looking for something to do, you don't have to go walking around in a gimp suit. No. If you decide that a gimp suit's for you, you're a penis. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, of course, if you want to go sucking toes, you you're, know, you're a, a penis. penis. Mate. I've done a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of funny things in my time, mate, but uh, going out on a toe-sucking binge has never been one of mine. No, mate, no. So, you know, we had a couple of... Um, very similar ones this week. A couple of easy selections for us. I think we both picked those the second we saw them. Oh, mate. And, um, Not much yeah. investigation going on there. But, uh, so the penis of the week. Blokes running around in gym suits. Sucking toes. Mate, if you do any of that, you are a penis. That brings us to an end again, Gregor. Mate, we've done it again. Nailed it. Locked, bag, delivered. Um, mate, anything to add? Thanks for listening again, guys. Loving the feedback on the socials. Stick with us. Absolutely. Love, you. Love having you a part of it. We're, uh, yeah, we're having a good time doing this, mate. Uh, and for any of our listeners around the Sunshine Coast, more particularly Noosa, Noosa. Home, home of the Noosa Pirates, mm. we say good night. And farewell. Well.